0: What's up everybody and welcome to Over the Top. We're back from a nearly two week hiatus, can you believe it? I'm feeling well rested, but man, so much has happened since our last episode. We saw a dude straight out of Burning Man bum rush to Capitol two weeks ago. As of today, we have president number 46. Biggest news of all, Justin popped the question and is now engaged. And as of yesterday, I landed a new job. Last but not least, the weirdest news of all, Manchester United is in first place. What a time to be alive. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Over the Top EPL. I'm Kyle. I've got my main man, Justin, here. How have you been?
1: That was a lot that you just threw at me right there. I am great. I'm great. A lot has happened. Obviously, today was a good day. Um, we have a new president, which for, I mean, you know, you can be on either side of the political spectrum, but I think we can all agree that's a pretty good thing overall, probably just to have a nice new start uh hopefully we can make some progress as a country uh larry scott in the pac-12 local seattle news was just let go today uh that's awesome for our local college not going to get into that on this podcast but very good news overall yeah i got engaged
0: kyle you things are looking up for us in 2021 it's a new year thank god it's a, a bunch of new beginnings for 2021 my puppy poncho's one year old a lot of shit's going on man A lot
1: of of shit. Um, I mean, yeah, just in our personal lives, obviously, that's really exciting. But we're professional people, Kyle, so we got to stick to the matters at hand here. And what is the matter at hand? Yesterday, we had a game between my beloved, adopted, Leicester City Football Club, Kyle. And they hosted Chelsea Football Club, the Richie Assholes from London. And what did Leicester do, Kyle? Kind of kinda, handedly beat them, 2-0. And I can't even say Chelsea were even that close at times. I mean, they had some attacks. They tried Pulisic. He was kind of poor. Uh, defensively, they were pretty terrible. Midfield kind of all over the place. Um, where do you want to start? You want to start with the positive or the negative?
0: I mean... We got to talk about your boys, Lester, first. All right, quick, let's talk. Let's talk A lot, it. A lot to unpack about Chelsea and Frank Lampard, and what next, and what happens, and what's Roman and Abramovich thinking. But um, I remember watching this game, and at halftime, um, whoever was doing the analysis on NBC Sports was saying Lester could be three or four nil up at halftime, and that is one hundred percent true. I mean, they not only did they have the greater chances, not only did they dominate the ball. And uh, attacked Chelsea's defense much better than the other way around. But um, they peppered their goal. I mean, they completely dominated in every uh, aspect of this game. Uh, Jamie Vardy didn't really touch the ball all that much, but he he just looks so dangerous. Even if he touches the ball ten times a game, uh, Telemans was on it. Uh, James, you know, Madison had a great game. Mark Albrighton still somehow doing it. I don't I don't really understand that, but. Um, Lester really showing why they're in the top four. Um, I think right after this game they went first. If correct me if they did. I'm wrong, but yeah, they, did. they were know, overtaken today, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, later in the day. But you know, based on this based on this performance, it looked deserved. It looked deserved, honestly. I mean no one has stood out from the rest of the pack and Lester, yes, they've lost a few games, but man, they keep rolling. And I'm I know you and I are both really impressed
1: it was a deserved win. I mean, it's kind of crazy to beat a big six club. And we say big six because of funding and pedigree and et cetera. But it was like, yeah, it wasn't one of those games where a team sits back and nicks a goal. Like they were on the front foot. I mean, yes, they had way less possession, but that's Leicester's tactics. You know how, yeah. you know, you gotta know how to play them. I mean, it's not, it's not a new com- It's like, it's not a new concept that Leicester wants to counterattack and move well with Madison and Vardy up at top. And, Kyle, how good is James Madison? My God, I mean, he had a slow start to the season. We were saying, why isn't he playing? Coming back from injury, he's getting games week in and week out now. And man, I mean, he has the quality for a top four. All right, Kyle,
0: one hundred percent. It's it's weird that both him and Jack Grealish aren't at either of the big any of the big six clubs because they're they're England's best two uh, cams, in my opinion. I mean, people will talk about Delhi, but. Here I am a Spurs fan, you know, saying Madison and Grealish are just better, not just off, you know, form, but um, you know, just just her style of play. And I James Madison, he's just he's so crisp. He can he can pick a pass really well. He's dangerous in the box, he's really shifty, his vision is great. I mean, I, I love watching James Madison play, and it looks like a good move for Brendan Rodgers to slowly integrate him for the season because he's reaping the benefits now.
1: Yeah, I mean, they petered out quite a bit, and they had Madison injured at the end of last season, which is probably one of the big reasons why they didn't finish top four. But, you know, if he's healthy and can make a run the rest of the season, that's going to be huge for them. Uh, Quickly, before we move on to Chelsea, did you see that where he was making like that behind the back heel pass uh, when like uh, Kovacic went in and fouled him? It was like really silky. They had a breakaway. And like, uh, he did like this. I'm standing up to reenact it for you. He did like a little, like, uh, you can't see my feet, so that's, uh, irrelevant. Uh, it's like almost like a turn, like the ball, like, imagine a ball was like a, like, coming straight at you. Right. And, uh, coming at your right foot. And instead of, like, trapping it, you go, you let it run behind you a little bit and then Mm -hmm. flick it back to your heel.
0: I'm not, I I don't think I saw that, but you got, you got to get it up on the Instagram. Uh,
1: you know, I've been taking is a break, really so to we, bully,
0: gotta, like, we gotta to we gotta we gotta update our our viewers with our followers with some sauce. It's been a few yeah. weeks since we've updated with some sauce,
1: yeah, it's because potence hasn't been playing, Kyle, but anyways, uh, regardless, Chelsea Football Club moving on to the juicy portion of this podcast um, disappointing meter on a scale of one to ten
0: where are you at ooh i'm on a I'm on a three I'm on a three just because I think. Well, first of all, I I should take a few steps back and say before the game, there were rumors floating around that if Chelsea lost this game against Leicester, that Lampard was out, that Abramovich was going to pull the trigger and sack Lampard, which I think is super harsh because if you look at the table, they're just four points off the top four. And yes, they've been bad. Yes, their new signings haven't played very well. Um, But I think it would be harsh for him to be sacked. But in terms of how disappointing... I would say three. I would say three because it, it could be a whole lot worse. It could be out of sight, out of mind like Arsenal. But, um, God, how disappointing have the two Germans been, man. So disappointing. And Lampard yeah. doesn't – it doesn't look like Lampard knows what his best 11 is. No, he doesn't know. It it, it almost seems like
1: they don't have a – this might be harsh, but like a game plan.
0: Yeah, I don't think they have an identity. I mean, what what is Chelsea? because even last season certainly
1: have an identity you know what you're they're trying to do 100 whether they fail or not like at least they're trying something and they have a distinct plan versus chelsea they go in i mean mason mount i mean it's like was their most consistent player yesterday or yesterday it seemed like which you know you and i are not mason mount fans by any means but he's not a terrible player so
0: no but i mean him and probably ben have been their most consistent players all season and i don't know i think that says a lot but I would even go as far to say last season, Chelsea had more of an identity and a style than they do this season. You, you, I just, you, I don't know what I'm going to get from Chelsea every match. So Lampard's really feeling the hot seat. I, I do think it's harsh, but look, we all know. And Frank also knows how, uh, Abramovich operates and he's the fastest one to pull the trigger out of any owner.
1: You mentioned the Germans earlier. Timo Werner didn't get the start this game. Uh, for the two wides, we had well, we had Abraham up top, we had Callum Hudson-Odoi on the right, we had Pulisic out on the left. You can't say either of them made ma- much of an impact. You could tell Pulisic was a little more lively than Callum Hudson-Odoi, but neither did a whole lot. Um, Kai Havertz did start this game, Kyle. And again, just another performance where you couldn't tell if he was... I, I mean, you could take many decimals off the million like it could he could have been a 7 million dollar player and I would have never known
0: No like, yeah he he just what he was a passenger he wasn't even part of the game and he played a little deeper this time and finally was in that sort of cam maybe more of a center mid position but it just I I question if his skill set is suited to the Premier League but I I think more than anything we just got to give him time I'm more surprised that Timo Werner just can't seem to put a shot on target I mean but it does what I will say is Lampard in this time of difficulty is turning to young players similar to how he was last season I mean he's he's sticking with hudson Adoy, with uh Mount you know all of these younger players and it's it's ballsy but he hasn't reaped rewards from that yet
1: who we didn't see Kyle was Giroux and we mentioned a few podcasts ago that Olivier Giroud was their most consistent player when he was playing. They were winning. They were scoring goals. He hasn't played in a little bit. And Chelsea are, are they suffering because of it? I kind of think so. I think they're not, think they're, you know, they need a poacher. And they don't have a poacher right now to get in goals. And Olivier Giroud is not the fastest, not the strongest, but he knows, he has awareness, and he knows where to be on the pitch and to make the runs, yeah. and the timely runs he needs to put the ball in the back of the net. And
0: They just don't have any of that. I couldn't agree more. They just need a target man. I mean, Abraham looks like a target man because he's tall, but he's more mobile. He runs the channels and runs it behind defenders. But Chelsea, they need some kind of focal point. And Giroud is their only striker who's any kind of a focal point for this team, especially when you have Pacey Wingers who can can run off of him. So, yeah, Chelsea, he hasn't been sacked yet, Lampard, but, um, you know, it might happen. We'll
1: talk about that a little later in the pod when we go through our state of the state of the union, if you will. Uh, lastly, Kyle, before we move on from this game, Chelsea's defense—pretty disappointing. Second goal, I know James Madison did score, but what was Reece James doing? I mean, he was just sitting there. And I've liked Reece James, but he was just sitting there, ball watching. Madison, whoop, yeah, runs in behind him, and then Rudiger—I think it was—had to go and try to cover and terrible defending like that's almost inexcusable to not run yeah. with your guy and like if i'm lampard and my job's on the line like i'm starting as Pilaqueta because i kind of know what i'm getting
0: versus reese jane you, c-
1: you can't have that lack of effort in the premier league against a good leicester side
0: no i mean he was showing his youth on that play and i mean look he's great going forward he's got a great delivery he's very technical and strong and fast but yeah, that was just a complete lapse of concentration. And especially in this moment when Lampard's really on the hot seat, you can't you can't be trusting players like that in big games like this.
1: Moving on to today's games, and we'll be quick here because we have a lot to go over a little bit later, but Manchester City earlier today hosted Aston Villa and grinded out a 2-0 win. I mean, they had a lot of shots, but Aston Villa kept them at bay with some Real heroic defending and goalkeeping, huh. I will say. I mean, I couldn't tell you watching that game, and I was working and pausing and, like, looking over at the screen and then working again, et cetera. But I swear to God, Kyle, every time I looked over, Manchester City had a corner. Um, so, like, that's how the game felt, and City finally broke through with a great Bernardo Silva goal uh, and then finishing it 2-0 late with a penalty. So,
0: tough game for City, but what do we, what do we make? What do we make of this game? Oh man what I make of this game well well one I was impressed by both sides honestly I mean we've been saying it time and time again about Aston Villa we expect them to fall off but they they're in every single game and they really impressed me in the especially with how they defend it because I thought they were pretty weak defensively but they were throwing bodies on the line on this one um but what I make of this game is that first goal for Manchester City I mean yes Man City deserved to win this they think you were saying they had 28 or 29 shots in this match and it definitely felt like that watching this game but there Manchester City's goal on this one oh man what haven't, what haven't do you what, one. What, what what do you make of this so uh, I forget who was but someone comes back from an offside position and makes a tackle on Tyrone Mings, um very very blatantly offsides and then it leads to a goal uh, Dean Smith, Aston Villa manager, gets sent off because he's really pissed about this, and rightfully so. But according to the law, if Tyrone Meeks touches the ball, play restarts. So, according to the to the law, uh, it wasn't offside. But I think it's more of a case of there's something wrong with the rule rather than VAR because that was that was outrageous.
1: I agree. I mean, you go and you read the law, the you know the letter of the law, word for word, and it looks to be exactly right the call on the field that is but what a shit rule i mean you look at the pictures terrible. or the video even but just you can look at just pictures you can see he's way off sides that's clear i mean he's like what yeah. 20 yards offside i mean that's the clear part but does he interfere with play like i was telling you before the show like if you had 100 guys just you know people watching the game at a bar like how many of them would think it's off like at least 99 right i mean Mm -hmm. so that's the case like you just have a shitty rule it was kind of like yeah um for people that watch football in the nfl they had this catch rule back a few years ago and it was like you have to establish and make a football move and all this thing and so like a catch wasn't exactly a catch and it was the worst rule and they turned that over it's kind of feel similarly about this rule it's just terrible it's hard to understand and to the naked eye to this normal person it's clear that he had an impact on the play and I think yeah. it was Rob Reed, but don't hold me to that. So, I don't know. It was just, uh, it, it just left a sour taste in my mouth and was a little harsh on Villa, but it's the correct call.
0: Yeah, it, it was both harsh on Villa, but at the same time, Man City did deserve this, and they keep on grinding. I mean, in their last nine games, they're unbeaten since they lost to Tottenham. They've won, I think it's five in a row, drew two games before that, and then won two before that. So, uh, them and the Manchester clubs are the form teams right now. But one thing that will be kind of concerning, KDB De Bruyne goes off injured in this game. Doesn't look too serious. He's able to walk off the field. But uh, talk about an injury that could change the season for for a club. And City do
1: have depth, so they could drop Foden back and play Gond- Gondogan and everything. But Foden, I mean, by this is the way, best. Man.
0: Foden this recently, man, he he looks awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I mean is arguably the best player in the Premier League, so it's hard to hard to replace that. So hopefully he's not off for long. Maybe he just misses a game or two. But I mean, City have been on fire, Kyle. And you and I, we've been on it all season. You know, they're starting slow. We never jumped off the city bandwagon. They're gonna come back. They have too much talent, they're gonna come out firing. And they did. Uh in it, you know, it was tougher this game than other games, but that's because Astonville is a better side. And you know, you mentioned earlier on that, you know, you were impressed by both teams. And we said the same team same thing when Villa played United. They played them close and the same thing with City. So Villa are gonna be around. They're gonna be a problem for teams. They're not gonna be a top four team. Um, but they're gonna they're gonna be top ten and they're gonna cause a lot of problems and headache, and they're a fun side to watch. So credit to Villa. They defended hard, they they played hard this game, that was clear, but City just have the superior talent and got the deserved win.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And moving on to the other form team, you know, we were talking about City being uh, the most informed team in the league. That actually isn't true, uh, because Manchester United has the longest unbeaten run of any team in the top five leagues right now. So I guess what that's that's France, Spain, Italy, England. Germany, I'm, I'm Germany. Yeah, I'm missing one. But uh, Manchester United is on a 13 game unbeaten run. And they took on uh, Fulham at Craven Cottage. Um, there's only one place to start in this game. Pogba with another golazo worthy of winning any match. Uh, Pogba, he's finally shown up this season after, you know, say what you want about the guy. I think he dogs it. I think he's kind of wasted his talent. But he is one of the most talented players in the world. No cap. I mean, he pff, he should be up there. For once Messi and Ronaldo are out of the picture, him and Neymar should be the next best uh, most talented players in my opinion and you know even though I'm not a big United fan it's good to see him um, you know doing his thing in the Premier League yeah, yeah you were saying
1: that earlier how you wished best success on Pogba because you weren't a United fan but he was just not doing it for you and he's been doing it lately that's for sure I mean goodness I mean he scored what couple galazos in the last couple of weeks right yeah I mean, it's
0: like three or four now i mean he had that one from 30 yards bending the one that went out of bounds but he's he scored cheers. some screamers and his his all-around play even his defensive work has been impressive
1: yeah i mean maybe he realizes he's on a you know a team that has a chance to win something and so that's brought out some sort of spark in him i don't know you you can definitely criticize his effort but you can't criticize the talent that he has i mean it's pretty obvious the ability uh, what was that left foot shot to the corner? I mean...
0: Uh, That's outrageous.
1: I mean, Ariola is a solid keeper, especially for, you know, not great Fulham side. But that was, I mean, hardly any keeper, if any, is going to save that. I mean, that was a fantastic shot. And, you know, United still, you know, I know we have a note that they come back to sit top half halfway, but it seems like it's a theme. United go down, but they don't give up. And, you know, we... we shit on ole quite a bit but i mean it's some somebody in that dressing room is instilling that culture where they do not give up when they they have a deficit or if they're down one or two goals they keep coming out and they keep trying and they get those goals so i mean 13 unbeaten you you and i were down on united i had them an eighth in my revised table you had them outside your top four i mean what do we think?
0: They're they're in first halfway down the halfway around the track, Kyle. I mean, what I think is we're eating our words right now. But I also want to want to temper everyone's expectations. The league is so close. I don't think this is representative of where this league is going, where the table is going, and um, I mean, I I think based off of their performances, pretty much because no team is really um you know outshone everyone else. I think by virtue of, of that, maybe, you know, Manchester United probably do deserve to be top. Uh, because yes, they've been so, so sloppy, so bad in first half, uh, the first half of matches, but uh you're right about Ollie instilling this sort of comeback attitude with, with United. It's really impressive. We can talk about Ollie's deficiencies as a manager with tactics, you know, you name it, and how how bad Ed Wordward is behind the scenes with transfers, but clearly they've got the mentality, right. And, um, you got to give them credit for that. And there's a reason why they've been unbeaten for so long, because they know how to come back probably more than anyone else. But, uh, we got to be honest. We're eating our words right now.
1: We are. I mean, I, i would agree with the temper expectations. So even though they're in first, they have a game, they have a, they played one more game than city and they hear that loud city train coming on behind them too. That's a loud yeah. train. um, But Manchester United, 19 games played are 40 points. How many points do you think Liverpool had 19 games into the season last year? Do you think it was more than 40?
0: Uh, I think it was probably close to 60 or something like that. 60? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, maybe. I mean, they went, like, undefeated, basically, until, what, March? So maybe 50, 55? So through 19
1: match weeks last year, year they played 18 games so similar to City and City's at 38 points Liverpool had 52 52 okay 52 points so I mean that would be 12 points with a game in hand over anyone in the Premier League this year so that just shows you the dominance and like the record-setting pace similar to what City did a couple years ago as well Um yeah. this year that's not the case United two points over City and Leicester I believe they're They're only eight points over West Ham at seven. So it's not a, you know, it's not a runaway like previous season. So while kudos to them and they've been way better than expectations, we expect a little correction to the mean, uh, I would say in the second half. Yeah,
0: Agreed. I do want to give a quick shout out to Fulham though. Because you and I were really tough on Fulham at the beginning of the season. I think we both put yeah, them on 20th place.
1: 20th, 19th, flip a coin. I think was the yeah, prediction. I, I yeah,
0: I mean, word for word was what you said, but because um, we listened to our predictions right for, for the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but um, man, I Fulham has played a lot of the big sides in the last five, six matches. They've given every single team a game, they tied Liverpool, tied Tottenham. Um they they made a good account of themselves in this game as well, and it took a Pogba worldie to beat them. So uh I've been really impressed with Fulham. They've got way more about them than we thought could ever be possible at the beginning of the season. Uh we talk about Chelsea's lone army uh that they loan out. Fulham's got a lone army on Incoming. their side. <laughs> yeah. But all their lone players are are they're, they're looking good. I mean their entire defense was loaned in. And all all three of those center backs look solid. Lookman looks good. So um Fulham, they might actually have a chance to stay up, which we'll talk a little bit about later. But they have I a chance to a 18, shout out. I, I give them a better chance than
1: barcode because I mean barcode hasn't really shown consistent talent where Fulham's starting to show like ounces of quality. Yeah. You can you can spot it. So you can see with it. The naked eye. So that's that's They're a dangerous. nice refreshing thing. So Kyle, we missed a lot of games. So those were the three games in the last couple days. Very relevant, very top of mind, big clubs. We don't have time to cover every game that we missed or else we'd be here all day. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to cover all the Match Week 18 games. I'm going to go through the scores, give a one-sentence comment or two. Uh, Kyle's going to go through the Match Week 19 games. and Yes, they were intermixed, so that makes it even more confusing. So essentially... Uh, Cliff notes, we're gonna say a bunch of scores and a bunch of games that happened, and then we're gonna get talk about this the season more high level and talk about the big clubs, state of the state of the club, where they're at, and do we feel mm-hmm. like our prediction in the beginning of the season is right. So I'll start us off. Uh earlier on in match week 18, City beat Brighton 1-0. This was really the Phil Foden game. I think he scored the goal and it was just really fantastic this season, and more so late on. And you know, it was uh, It was talked about, can he replace David Silva and step into the squad, and if he keeps performing in games like he did against Brighton, I think the City are in a good spot. Fulham tied Tottenham 1-1. You just mentioned Fulham's recent form and how they're tying uh, big clubs and giving them games. With that said, though, Tottenham should have easily won this game. If you look at XG, they outscored Fulham by like, 2, I think, and... If you're Tottenham and you have big four or top four aspirations, you can't tie Fulham. That's just not okay. And son, we got to bury those chances, son. Uh, Manchester United 1 uh, 0 over Burnley. Again, the t- typical United win this season, just grinding out wins. Pogba goal. Maguire should have scored. So kind of a boring game, but United got it done. Everton beat Wolves two to one. Richarlison on the bench, no DCL, but they started at Sigurdsson-Hamez top, which was very interesting. If you go and look at that lineup, but it got it done and Lucas Digne, a big player for that club coming back. So we'll see what Everton can do there. And they're still in it as well. Uh, Sheffield got their first win. Claps for Sheffield. Yay. They beat Sheffield. Good she- job, boys. They beat Shite Newcastle, 1-0, and Sheffield still only have five points and are six points behind West Brom. So they still suck. Uh, but they did win in a typical 1-0, 2019-2020 Sheffield fashion, I will say. And then Blast to Outer Space, Arsenal, Crystal Palace, 0-0, I have nothing to say. Kyle, match week 19, games.
0: Match week 19. So what, so what you just covered was last week, midweek. I mean, God, this is so fucking confusing, dude. So... <laughs> 18 is like split in half, and the other half of match week 18 is like this week as we record right now. But uh, match week 19 was this past weekend. Right. And, um, you know, it's kind of weird because you could go by the most entertaining game or the game with the most sort of like clout and uh, the biggest uh, sort of media talk around the game. So I guess we'll go with the big game. Liverpool nil, Manchester United nil. I mean yet another big game, disappointing. This was mm. a really boring game. I mean a, a, exactly. Retweet. Snooze fest. Liverpool dominated first half. United dominated second half, but missed their opportunity to beat a off form Liverpool. Uh probably the most surprising result of the entire weekend. Um Black Country Derby. Wolves two, West Brom three. West Brom scoring three goals. Uh two were penalties though from uh Mateus Pereira. Uh Wolves looking not so solid. You know, we've been talking about their issues with the striker, but suddenly their defense isn't looking very good. I think maybe because Nuno is having to rotate this year, unlike last year. Uh Leeds laid a laid an egg against Brighton. They lost one nil. Uh, Brighton fully deserved this one and basically walked the ball into the net on their goal. And Leeds were just totally blunt on the day. Uh West Ham won Burnley nil. West Ham, a few outgoing transfers with Sebastian Howler going to Ajax and Robert Snodgrass going to Barcode or West Brom. But uh, even with all those outgoings, Mikel Antonio is back from injury and scored a goal. Can he do it alone, though? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Fulham, nil. Chelsea won. Chelsea, God, they're just struggling. They struggled this whole game. Fulham gave him a real match. um, And Chelsea just barely scraped by with a mount goal. Um, But... Regardless, the pressure's on Lampard, as we talked about earlier. Uh, Leicester 2, Southampton, or Champ nil. Uh, Leicester, they just keep rolling, and this was a game that James Madison had a saucy goal and a pretty nice socially distant celebration as well. Um, We'll see if the Foxes slip like last season. Um, I say probably not. Uh, Sheffield 1, Tottenham 3. Yes, it's Sheffield, but Spurs, for once, finally continue to attack after scoring their first goal. But there's only one place to start with this game. Tangi and That goal. Did he mean it? Did he not mean it? Yes, he meant it. That was just pure sauce. I mean, this guy. I mean, we'll we'll talk about Nzambole later, but this this guy is one to watch if you're not a Spurs fan and haven't really watched him. Uh Man City 4, Crystal Palace 0. Man City starting to look scary. This was a game where Ke- uh, Kevin De Bruyne had that pretty ball and outside of the foot assist if you haven't seen it. For John Stone's header, it was really nice. Ilkay Gundogan on some crazy form, too. I think he has maybe five goals in his last seven games, something like that. Arsenal 3, Newcastle nil. Um, Aubameyang, he's back. And it's party uh, party time, because Thomas Partey's back in the middle. Aubameyang had two goals, though, and finally looks like he, he can actually put it on target. Newcastle, Jesus. I have nothing else to say. Bad,
1: really bad. Uh, And then, lastly, uh, we're back to match week 18 in the nice confusion. And West Ham beat West Brom two to one. And Michela Antonio back and firing again. I mean, he's out for a a little bit of extended time, comes back and scores goals. So, what a player! David Moyes grinding out those wins. And Barcode FC they go up and beat Wolves, and then they go down again. So, I mean, to be expected, Kyle. I mean, I was trying to come up with something more eloquent, but just part of the
0: course expected. part of the course so what west ham i think that puts him in seventh place right
1: that sounds correct yes west ham 19 played seventh place good 32 points i mean
0: almost mm-hmm. safe good for them good for david Moyes. honestly everyone's riding them off
1: yeah i mean nine wins five losses five ties i mean good for them i mean no losses in the last five three three of those wins good for them man uh, all right, so we're going to get to our State of the Union here. So we're going to go through some of the big clubs, talk about the form, where they are in the table, uh, have a little conversation uh, related to that club. There's little different topics for each club. We'll go over our preseason predictions again, where were we right, where were we wrong, um, and say what we uh, think is going to happen in the second half. So mm-hmm. start us off, Kyle we We have to start here, they're in first place, Manchester United, so their last five, obviously, we mentioned earlier uh they have four wins in their last five, uh thirteen unbeaten ten of those wins. They are in first place with nineteen games played is it is are they back? Are they channeling the spirit of Alex Ferguson and it's fergie time are we Are we ready to crown them champions Kyle are they back?
0: oof are they back? <laughs> No, I I would say no. This is a more serious rendition. Probably the most serious team we've seen since Fergie left. Although Jose might have something to say about that, but that team under Jose was so miserable to watch. Um, but is 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 this team channeling the spirit of uh, Ferguson? Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Essentially, just with their comebacks and the 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 Fergie time, the mentality that United goes into every game to win and or to. Uh, go away to one of the big clubs and at least nick a draw. Um, You know, they've really gotten their mentality right, if anything, in this season. So, uh, you know, we were talking about, do they deserve to be in first? And I would say, just by virtue of everyone having poor seasons, I would say yes. Um, But that isn't to say that United has had a great season per se. I mean, they were knocked out of the Champions League. So, But all that being said, you know, I'm eating my words. I said Ollie'd be gone by Christmas and Ollie's very much not gone. Look, they're title contenders. They're title contenders. And um, I don't think they'll be there by the end of the season, but uh, they'll definitely be in the top four discussion.
1: I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I'm eating my words. I had them eighth, Kyle. I mean, that's, (laughs) you know, but I will say, I, you know, if Aston Villa wins some games upcoming, I mean, they've only, they're. Three games in hand against United, they they could win two of them at 32 points. Say, then United would only be eight points off of eight, so still a chance. I, you know, I'm still holding out hope that uh, they can slide back a little bit. (laughs) But no, I mean, at the end of the day, they've played really well. Marcus Rashford has been really good for them this season. Bruno Fernandez obviously has been their player of the year, player of the 2020 best signing to think he was almost a Spurs player must crush you. But yeah, I mean, what can you say about United? I mean, just the ability to grind out games and your prediction was almost correct because there was a period there where they were losing quite a bit in October, I believe uh, Mm -hmm. before they started this run where it looked like you were going to be right by the, by Christmas, they didn't qualify for champions league, et cetera. Um, I think that's actually November. Um, but here they are, and you have to give them full credit. I don't think they're going to be there at the end of the season. uh there by first place, but they're back and contending, which is something that they right. haven't been in a while. And, you know, last season they squeaked into fourth place, kind of an undeserved fourth place, if you ask me, uh, by how they played all season, so... Or third, I guess, but you know, I mean if that they was lost that. Get...
0: I mean, Leicester and Spurs and Chelsea, they everyone was just dropping like a stone.
1: Right. So I they think. kind of backed their way into it. I mean, if Leicester had won that game, then United would have been out. So yeah. um good good on them. Uh but again, I think it's fool's gold a little bit. One What's thing I would about- say
0: though, real quick, is I, I think United's good form seems to be go working in um, incongruence with suddenly Paul Pogba showing up and they finally seem to True. have found a good partner for Harry Maguire with Eric Bailly, but as we all know, the dude hasn't been able to stay fit for like four years, so he's probably going to get hurt in the next few games, but uh, I have noticed those, their good form has coincided with both of those guys um, playing, and Edison Cavani um, scoring goals starting games as well, so um, look, they've, they've got a squad
1: other side of manchester the blue side manchester city uh started off slow kyle i mean this season they were down there in the table slow to get going always games bent back but here they are look at their form w w w w w now in second place with a game in hand two points behind manchester united kyle i mean i'm gonna give it to you straight they're back and cruising
0: they are. I mean, the the fact that they've gotten this far without basically their two strikers and they're that close after all this time and, you know, they went through their rough patch and were still always in and around the top four. And to me, that, that was always the, the worrying sign because everyone is going to continue to drop points, but I don't think City are going to continue to drop points. I mean, Aguero has been healthy for about a, uh, a month now, but they still won't start him. So they're slowly but surely bringing him back. Uh the Jesus is is not is COVID free now, so they won't have to play Foden or KDB up top. But you know, KDB is firing all on all cylinders now and Man City, the best defense in the league. I mean Kyle you gotta, 13 you say, goals allowed. Ruben Diaz. Ruben Diaz alone. I mean the guy is so good that he's managed to revive John Stones' career. Couldn't you believe that? I mean, suddenly John Stones looks solid. Yeah, it's
1: just that complimentary piece and you know Americ Laporte was saying like by far he's city's best back and you know he's had some injury stuff but he's not he's like not going to get into the squad, right? I mean, why would if you're Pep, why do you change what's working right now? I mean, obviously that partnership has grown, they've had so many games to gain trust and confidence in each other and obviously they complement each other too. So, if I'm Pep Guardiola, I'm not I'm not
0: changing things. No, no, not at all. I mean, and and not only that, I mean, they've got other players that came in last season that didn't really perform, but now we're doing the business, like uh, Jao Cancelo. He looks so dangerous every time he goes down the the side. Uh, Phil Foden, this this year is the making of Phil Foden, too. And I think he's a different player than uh, David Silva, not as creative, but this guy in front of goal is money. He's money. And I think we're going to see a lot from Ferran Torres as well. A um, City just far and away have the best squad for me. And it's finally halfway through the season starting to show um, that that's the case. Liverpool, Kyle. This is where it gets a little more interesting. We were just praising
1: the last two, and they're having a hot front of form. They're obviously first and second. But Liverpool's run of form is a little more troubling. Win, draw, draw, loss, draw. It's a lot of lost points, Kyle, for a Liverpool team that just steamrolled through the league last season. They're in fourth place still because they started off the season pretty well. Obviously, Van Dijk got injured. They have a bunch of defenders that got injured. They got, they got Alexander Arnold back now, but still no center backs, it seems like. So, what's going on here? Can their offense carry the defense? Is it the defense? Is it synergy between them? Like, How do we diagnose the issues with Liverpool Football, football Club?
0: Well, that... That's the weird thing, man. Because if you if you look at it on paper, they had three center backs to start the season, and Van Dyke and Gomez go down, so they have one fit center back in Matip, who's never fit anyway. So they basically have no <laughs> center back. So on paper, you think they would be crazy not to sign a center back, and I, I'm, doesn't really look likely that they'll do that, which is crazy to me. Crazy, but. That's not where the problems lie with this team right now. Weirdly enough, this is the first time in, what, three years that we've seen Salah, Firmino not do the business. I mean, all three of them are on some pretty poor form, especially Salah. I mean, people are giving Firmino a hard time at the beginning of the season, but, you know, he carried them with some goals and assists and generally good play. But Salah just looks unconfident or like he's off for a split second, which just changes everything. Uh, they just, they're not scoring goals, and I would say, I think the defensive injuries do coincide with that, because with Van Dyke and Gomez, they were playing such a high line defensively, because they had all that speed, but now that they don't have them, I've noticed Liverpool are playing a lot deeper in defense, so it's, the the high press isn't really working this season, and that's the center of Klopp's, what is it called, pressing or something, his crazy high-press system, so that kind of has gone out the window with Van Dyke and Gomez's speed. And it's uh, in a weird way, it's led to them scoring less goals, in my opinion. But you might have a different take.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially how many assists that Alexander Arnold and Robertson generate, Kyle. I mean, you look at the past two seasons and what those players have done. I mean, I swear, like, they're two and three in the Premier League in assists or something like that. I No, I'm not correct. But... I. Yeah, it all starts with them, and I think with them not leading the attack and going up side, going up the sides, then Salah doesn't have someone to play it off and bounce it off with the side. Mane doesn't have somebody up there because it takes longer for them to run up. On the mean- on the flip side, they can't-, they can't. Other player, other teams when Liverpool press have more room behind the Liverpool players because they can't press as high because they have to sit back deeper. So. Yeah, it's all cause and effect. I mean, you look at Liverpool, their last goal was in match week 15 against West Brom in a 1-1 draw. They've gone 340 minutes in the Premier League without a goal, Kyle. So, wow. I mean, they beat 4-1 Aston Villa Crazy. in the FA Cup, but that's really a paper victory because if you look at Aston Villa, their whole team had COVID and they played their backups. Right. So it's not they a real win. Under,
0: un, not only their backups, but they played their under-23 squad or something. Yeah, like so
1: that. not even their second string. It's their literal like youth, youth squad, team. if you will. Yeah. Um, so Liverpool have a real offensive problem and if you look at their stats like you wouldn't think so because they've had a couple really high scoring wins like a 7-0 win recently over Crystal Palace recently I mean that was in December so yeah they've had 4-0 wins 7-0 wins etc so you wouldn't say offense is the problem but it kind of is because they show up in spurts but then they just go dry and they, right now they're on a super dry spell and so what can they do? I know they've started Shakiri, they're trying to mix it up a little bit, but something needs to be done because clearly it's not working
0: so d- real quick, do you think they're going to sign a center back?
1: God, you would think they would, but I mean when everything I coming o- out of, everything coming out of there says they only want a center back if it's long
0: term and they don't want a short term
1: solution so i don't
0: I don't know. am I the only person that thinks that's crazy for them to not sign i thought they needed a center back in the summer i mean you i mean lovran i i didn't rate lovran but you leave lovran out and sell him to russia or wherever he went i think he did go to russia but you got to replace him especially if Matsip can never stay healthy and we know that and upa Makano's is sitting there with a 45 million pound uh release clause that seems like good money spent for me and especially with his pace he'd fit right in but
1: it's. I mean, if they want to win anything this season, they should sign a center back.
0: As as soon as Van Dijk and Gomez went down, I said if they won the title without either of those, that would be amazing, like an amazing feat. I it's without a new center back, I don't see them winning the league. It's. I, I feel mean, like I still see them way. finishing top
1: four. I mean, they have too much talent, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's rough. I mean, after this Burnley, they have United in the FA Cup, then they go. And then they go away to Tottenham, West Ham, Brighton, Man City, Leicester City, Leipzig. Like that's not a that's not an easy run. No. And especially with all these fixtures congested. I mean, you look at the dates of these games. 121, 124, 128, 131, 23, 27. Like that's every
0: four yeah. or three days. I mean, you have to what? rotate through
1: players and
0: you have and no one defenders. Thing I will say: One thing I will say is I think the condensed schedule with the pandemic is not conducive to Klopp's style of play. Like whatsoever. So I feel like he might actually be affected negatively from the pandemic, probably more than any other manager that I can and think of. And we've heard him bitch about this too. Our other
1: yeah. teams won't agree to the five-sub rule. and he looks kind he of wants...
0: unhinged. Yeah. yeah, He's just been really angry this year, and it's just like, it's kind of unlike Klopp.
1: Moving on, Kyle. Obviously, lots of interesting develops with Liverpool, but Spurs, Kyle, your beloved Tottenham Hotspur. What to say about them? Here's their recent forum, LDWDW. What does that tell me? They're fifth place, and my problem with Tottenham, Kyle, is they're just inconsistent. They have all the talent there. They put together performances. They're like, wow, Tottenham are clearly a fourth-place team. And then they put up, or top-four team, I should say, yeah. And then they put up duds against Fulham and other clubs where you need to be winning these games. And you've seen Son and Kane do it and be magical, and then sometimes they disappear. So, well, I mean, you as a beloved Tottenham fan, what what's your take on them?
0: I've been toying with this idea of whether I'm more negative or positive about where they're going for a while now. But, you know, I'm still more positive about where they're going more than anything else. But I think this recent run of form has coincided with Kane and Son were on electric form at the early part of the season, and uh, they weren't really attacking teams, so they were relying on a few individual moments of brilliance from those two, and now that they're on a little, you know, I wouldn't say a rut, you know, they're not playing poorly or anything, but um, it's going to show that They need to attack more. And once they score that first goal, which they always score the first goal, they need to keep on pushing, keep on attacking. And to me, that looks like Mourinho's tactics, which is frustrating as hell. And I think everyone could have expected, but, you know, Harry Kane says that Mourinho never tells him to stop attacking. I don't know if I buy that, but, um, you know, regardless of what I think about the defensive tactics uh, and the counterattacking ball, um, I think there's a foundation there for real success but in my opinion they really need to strengthen their their defense because they sit back invite pressure but their center backs are not good enough to grind out one nil wins so whether Mourinho's telling them that or it's more of a mentality thing i don't know i'm still feeling generally positive about them and would still back them for top four uh personally i'm kind of curious i don't know where where do you see the spurs team finishing It's kind of a weird one.
1: It's it's tough, right? I mean, it's probably in the third to fifth range right now. I mean, they have a lot of quality, but I mean, two, two players I want to highlight. Well, three, I mean, not as sexy, but Pierre Hoiberg has been generally pretty good for Spurs and I like think a bargain signing. So good for them.
0: Generally pretty good. That's it. I think he's been one of the best signings of the summer. I think so. Am I crazy? Am I just? Being I a mean, homer?
1: generally pretty good. I don't think he's an electric. Obviously, not an electric player. No, uh, but no. he gets the job done most games. I'd say sometimes he's out of his depth and quality, but for the most games, he's he's pretty good for them. Okay. Okay. Uh, one player that I think has been really good is Tange and Davale. I think he's been very good for Spurs. Not just like the you know the recency bias, but just compared to where he was last season and the value he's providing Spurs this season, the turns, how he's starting play, releasing the passes, scoring goals for them. Um, you know, I think he has three on the season right now, but his impact yeah. is really, uh, really felt. And I think that's a big reason Spurs midfield is a lot better this season. Less Harry Winks too, which is really nice. Um, and then, well, that's Hoiberg too. But And then a player that I want to ask you about, Of my question is, what's the point? His oh, uh-huh. four four matches one played, one start. Kyle, 162 minutes in the Premier League. What's the point of a Gareth Bale on Tottenham? Yeah, it's, you're supposed to bring him in on uh, matches to come, save matches and score goals, especially break down these shittier teams like a Fulham. Yeah, I agree.
0: What I agree. What's the point? I, look, well, you hit the nail on the head. Right before you pass it over to me, like to break down these shitty teams that sit back and park the bus or defend with 10 men. Those are the games you need Gareth Bale stepping on the field. And we've said he should be part of an attacking trio. I'm starting to think, okay, if he doesn't have the legs, if he can't do that, why not put him in that center attacking mid position? Why not? I, I just, I don't get it. I, I I think the move was kind of a PR stunt and a positive PR stunt because, look, it kind of like lifted the whole team. It was like, holy shit, we can attractive player like Gareth Bale but I couldn't agree more man especially in these games where teams are sitting back you got to bring on someone like Bale or Delhi also hasn't played at all I mean that's talk about transfer rumors that continue to swirl around Delhi, but it doesn't really make sense to me either but I will say I think against the good teams and the big games Stephen Bergwine deserves it I know he hasn't scored he ha- he's missed a few chances especially against Liverpool but his general play, he deserves to start over bail. It's it's as simple as that. But you t- you touched quickly upon and uh, I won't spend too long on this, but I swear, this guy is has outrageous talent. If you just watch in not just looking at stats, but just see how he manages to dribble out of pressure coming from three or four different people, I, it just it makes no sense to me. And this guy has a skill set that can take him to the very, very top of the game, whether or not he's athletic enough or applies himself to get that far. But I watch, I watch Ndombele and I'm like, this guy has every bit of a Barcelona DNA kind of thing going on. I mean, he's outrageously talented and it makes sense why they spent so much money on him. And one thing I will say is Giovanni La Celso was maybe Spurs' best player last season. He's been struggling with injuries all year. That is one area where Spurs can hopefully hope for better um, from here on out. Because if they can get hoyberg and Domblay and LaCelso as a three in that midfield, that's pretty dangerous, man. It's pretty dangerous. But I'm still feeling more positive about Spurs. I think their season's a success if they, say, finish fourth and win a Carabao Cup and challenge for FA Cup or something like that. I, I would take it. I think most Spurs fans would take it.
1: Gareth Bale is generating more XG per ninety. Limit more limited sample size for sure than Steven Bergwine by almost double.
0: So But it's not just up. about the XG though. I mean, talking about the role in the team and how I his know. pace and even possessing the ball, I mean, Bergwine has been head and shoulders above any of the other right wingers in that in that aspect. But I agree, you know, Bale brings goals. He should play more. I don't get it. Moving
1: on, Kyle, from Spurs to our friends in West London at Chelsea Football Club. We started off the show with them. Recent form loss, draw, loss, win, loss. Three losses in the last five look lost. Lampard looks lost. They're tumbling down the table. How uh, To me, Kyle, it's not if, it's when Lampard gets the yeah. boot.
0: Agreed. And it, it's a shame. And I think it's more of a matter of if, if rather than when because, or sorry, when rather than if, just because of who their owner is. Mm-hmm. The I think if you put Lampard on any other big six team, I think they give him more of a chance. And we I mean, saw kind true. of an identity last season, but not this year. They look all over the place. He struggled to integrate big money signings with the Germans and I mean, Chilwell's worked well and so is Mendy, but, uh, it's, it's a weird one. I look at Chelsea and I I don't really understand what I'm looking at, what kind of team they are, what they try to do. And that's probably the most damning, you know, uh, thing you could say about them. I don't know what, what they are, what they try to do. Kyle, the next three are against Luton,
1: Wolves, Luton in the FA cup, Wolves, and uh Burnley, I believe. If they lose or tie any of those three games, I think Lampard is gone.
0: Well, okay, you're you're talking about Lampard. So there are these rumors coming out that he'd be sacked if he'd lost to Leicester. He hasn't been sacked yet. We're you know, he lost to Leicester yesterday and we're recording on Tuesday night. Uh so we'll I don't know, I think he would have been sacked by now if that was the case, but I, I think it'd be a mistake. I mean who who would you get? Max Allegri, maybe? I mean, that's the rumor is shout. they
1: want a german speaking coach to help you know raise the, the the floors of Kai Havertz and Timo Werner. Now, that's we don't know yeah. how accurate this is, but uh, like a Nagelsmann or a um, Not happening. or a Tuchel. And I don't think Tuchel's it to be honest with you. But
0: Tuchel's an interesting one because he would actually enforce a uh, style but Julian Nagelsmann, yeah, get in line with everyone else in the world who wants Julian Nagelsmann. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good luck, especially mid-season. you know. I just, if they sack Lampard, I don't think they become a better team unless maybe you bring in Max Allegri, bring in the strict Italian sort of defensive style or something. Back to when they last
1: won with Conte was the, the strict Italian style too. I well, mean. that's the
0: Chelsea way, you know. There are no projects. You just fire managers like, it's, like they're hotcakes and you <laughs> like it's no one's business so it it's a weird one though it's it's really weird and if i was a lampard i would stick with in order to ride out this storm i would stick with the players you can rely on rather than these big signings i would
1: moving on to arsenal football club kyle they uh we shat on them almost this entire season in the beginning we were praising them you know liking their style of play in the first four weeks Ever since then, we're like, oh, we don't know, we don't know. Oh, we hate Arsenal. They suck, they suck, they suck, they suck. But now, Kyle, the last five, win, 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 draw, win. So 13 points out of their last 15, they've climbed up to 10th. Yeah, they've climbed up to 10th because you should have seen what they were before. Uh, Is Arsenal Football Club back in the mix? Are they ready to come back and make Europa, Europa League, Champions League challenging runs here?
0: Ooh, okay. Are are Arsenal back to where they were? Uh no. But are they back to challenging for Europe 100%? I wouldn't even rule them out of top 5 or top 4. I don't think they're good enough, but they're I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're within 8 points of fourth place, maybe. This is within. Correct. Yeah, right. So it's not it's not um you know, out of reach for them. Aubameyang finally had a good game this season after his big contract. Uh, their young players are starting to look good, like Smith Rowe and Saka. I really like both of them. Gabriel looks like a decent signing. Thomas Partey's money. I just love watching that guy. He's just mm-hmm. a smooth operator. Um, but everyone knew this going into the season. So, are they back to the great Arsenal years of Wenger? No, they've still got a long ways to go. I think it's a I think it's asking a lot of these young players to carry them, but um I mean they got the wins they needed, but their last five games have been against some pretty easy teams. Yeah, minus the Chelsea
1: game, which really turned their fortunes around, I think, gave them a little confidence. They beat Brighton, West Brom, Newcastle, Crystal Palace. Oh Newcastle was FA Cup, sorry. So Brighton, West Brom, Crystal Palace, Newcastle. Eh. Yeah.
0: I mean, know, only, I mean, the only worst. Coming,
1: and they've beat the teams for the most part that they should beat. So that's good. But we got Champ. We got United. We got Wolves. We got Aston Villa. We got Leeds. We got Manchester City, Leicester City coming up. Exactly. We're going to find out exactly. a lot
0: real quick. Exactly. They've been on such an easy run. And even though you say they've beaten all the teams they should have beaten, like they've played five of the worst teams the last few games and they lost to Burnley. Um, you know, the only two worst teams you could throw in there are probably Fulham and, and West Brom, and Fulham would give them a match. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we yeah, as exactly we've seen right. from Fulham. So.
1: Yeah, but, uh, so we're going to find out a lot about Arsenal Football Club. Yes, they're improving, but I don't think they're a top-four contender. I don't think they're a top-six contender. I think they're going to crash back to earth a little bit. I will say, though, they're not going to return to their terrible run of form because Arteta's changed it up and relied a little bit more on the youngsters who've been really yeah. promising. Like Saka, who's been in, you know, in and out, started. Lacazette's playing more. I don't know why he wasn't playing more earlier. Uh, Can actually score for them, so they won't return. They won't crash down to earth, but they're not going to keep getting wins against some of the better teams coming. Yeah,
0: yeah, and this is even coming from a Spurs fan. I, I I would stick with Arteta. I like the direction he's got them going in, but um, look, they're very, very, very early in their evolution as a club and as a team. So um, I wouldn't expect success this season, but I wouldn't abandon it um either. So we just covered the the big 6 Kyle,
1: but in the notes you have noticed I've thrown in a bonus team because you know they're kind of a big 6 club right now. Leicester yeah. City Football Club Kyle. Draw draw win 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 in their last 5, up to third place, were temporarily first place in the season before both Manchester clubs played today. Um half the season down Kyle, they're in third place. Last season they were in second. Uh, They were nine points up on fifth place last season, finished in fifth. They are five points up on fifth this season. So, I mean, their big question and stuff, they they will keep this top of mind because they failed so epically at the end of last season. Can they stay there? Can they ride out the course and finish top four? Obviously, all their players know that are going to be working towards that. But that's the big question for Lester. And Kyle, that's the question for you. Do they have the talent and are they capable of doing it?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I would actually put my money on them staying in and around. I don't know if I'd go as far to say the title race, but 100% top four, no doubt. And I don't think they're going to drop off like they did last season. And mostly I would say that because last season, uh, their bad form coincided with a lot of injuries. I mean, Ricardo Pereira going down. I think Soyan, was suspended for a while. Um, I forget who else. Indeed. E.D. was injured, Madison, but uh, they've looked so awesome without these players. you look Look at their James Justin, as I said, and And the one- he wasn't even and he
1: supposed to be playing this early because Soyuncu was supposed to be the plan, and then he got injured. So
0: yeah, I love watching fu- Fani- It's just so- To me, challenging for a title is a little too um, far for them, and I think going and their challenging. Oh, do you expect them to to dip in form
1: uh i mean they'll have match weeks where they you know have a dud and especially with europa league resuming in february which is when more players are going to start to they're going to need that rotation especially with ricardo Pereira, james justin um mrt etc so um yeah, same they are they
0: this. are inconsistent
1: yes so like they'll they'll have a crappy draw against crystal palace for example like that'll just happen but they're going to be in, and they will be in top four. They will be in top four, three games left into the season, Kyle. Their last mm. three, okay. the schedule okay. makers did a wonder here. Their last three games, Kyle, away at Manchester United, away at Chelsea, home against Tottenham.
0: Spurs. I know that Spurs game is at the last last of the season. So
1: those three games, they will be in top four before those three games. So we'll see what happens, but that's make or break for them. Ooh, Spicy. Because I mean, before that, think of like if they have those three teams last, like they have some cupcakes before that. So yeah, I mean they're going to be there. So we'll see what happens, but it's going to be fun to watch Leicester City. I mean, props to Brendan Rodgers too. I mean, what a job he's done since yeah. coming in and taking over for that club. I mean, obviously he was criticized for leaving Celtic mid mid season and stuff, but I mean, who cares about who <laughs> yeah? Cares? Who, cares who cares about cares? Celtic, right? When you have Leicester City and I mean
0: what, a, what, a, good, the pr- I mean, what a the think of all the press that Leicester
1: City gets right now. I mean
0: Yeah, I mean what a good club and a project to take over, honestly. I mean i I'm so impressed with how their Leicester ran as a club. I mean honestly, top to bottom. It's it's just really impressive. And uh Brennan Rogers both deserves a job at one of the big clubs, but at the same time, why would you leave? I mean seriously. Not mid season. I mean, you're top four right
1: now. I mean, if you get into the Champions League, you want to stay at Leicester. Leicester's a good place
0: to be. They can buy big players, they can spend money, maybe not the same wage structure, but they can drop thirty million on a nineteen year old center back like Fafana and call it good, you know? Especially if they they get
1: into at least Europa League next season. That's more money for them. So which they should. uh, All right, Kyle, that's it for our big profiles. We have some other contenders for Europe. I mean how serious do we take Everton, Southampton, and Aston Villa real quick? Uh,
0: I think we take Everton seriously. Southampton, I'm super impressed, but uh, I would expect the the top of the league to sort of make a distance between them. Aston Villa, that's a weird one. I still can't really make out uh, Aston Villa, but I, I think they will be challenging for Europa League, but... They're not top four contenders, but I say that. But they they were really impressive against City today. So I don't know. I, I would I would throw Everton in the mix, but that's about it. But who you got?
1: I think I have the same order. I have Everton edging out Aston Villa and then Southampton. Well, good, no worries for them by any means. It's just they have less depth and everything. So I I, I pictured them around a ninth or a tenth place club. But I mean, they've done they've done a really good job. So um, no no criticism of Southampton. I just don't think they're there. With their squad.
0: yeah.
1: Relegation, Kyle. Um, we predicted West Brom, Fulham, and Burnley down there in the beginning of the season. I mean, we we're mostly right outside of that Sheffield just total disaster class, not being able to score a goal. Um, so right now we have, our picks are currently 17th, 18th, and 19th. So we were we were almost correct. So any changes to your relegation picks?
0: Ooh, ooh, okay, well, well, yes, well, I did have, let's see, so my, my relegation picks were Fulham 20th, West Brom 19th, Burnley 18th, would I change any of that? <laughs> it's funny, because I actually put Aston Villa down there before uh, the transfer window closed, but uh, as soon as they made their signings, I pulled out on that one, ooh, Yes, I would because Sheffield. I mean, they're done and dusted. There's no way Sheffield's getting out of this, so they're 100% getting relegated. Uh, it's it. It just shows how amazing last season was for them and where Chris Wilder got them. Uh, so for me, yes, I, I think I think Sheffield will stay in 20th. Uh, I've got. I would probably keep West Brom at 19th. I think they're going down 100%. I'm actually so impressed with Fulham who I put wrote in for 20th place that I'm questioning if they'll survive or not. But I, I think I'll still pencil them, them in for 18th, barely barely sur- uh getting relegated instead of Burnley. What about you? Yeah. I mean,
1: Sheffield's going down and West Brom are going down. That's like, you know, death taxes. It's like the it guarantees in life, you know? Um, Eighteenth is harder. I do think Fulham are going to get relegated, though. I think they're in a a good run of form for them, and then mm-hmm. they're going to crash back to earth a little bit. So, unfortunately, I think Fulham are going to go down. Burnley are going to survive just slightly, although I would not be surprised. I probably seventeenth place. They can't score a goal. They actually the worst offense in the league, and somehow have four wins from nine goals scored. It's kind of amazing, to be honest. That, that is they have amazing. four wins. Um, Brighton. I mean. Last season at this position, 16th place, Bournemouth, or Bournemouth were 16th place at this time and got relegated. This year, our favorite club in the world, Brighton, is 16th, so they could—they're still in the relegation fight too. I mean, they're only five points up of Fulham, so could see them. I doubt it. I feel like they have way more quality than Burnley, at least. You um, say that so.
0: though, but they—they're they're really strong. I mean, they both. The XG minutes- love love Brighton. Kyle. They they've managed to look good, quote unquote, but still play terrible. Like they can't <laughs> score. I, I don't that get amazing. it. Do do you think there are any other teams that could be thrown into that relegation dogfight? I mean, we're talking about Fulham, West Brom, Burnley, Sheffield. You know, Brighton. Is there anyone else? That, you know, I mean, Newcastle? you could
1: technically throw Newcastle, but I think they're just going to dog it enough to survive.
0: They look um, really bad right now, though. They are
1: bad. They are really bad. I mean, maybe, but I think they're going to survive. I don't think... I think Palace, like, they're just going to have one of those games where they go up 1-0, you know, and get lucky and then not concede. Um, Well, well, I hate to say this, but what about Leeds? Leeds are fine. Yeah? Yeah. They're going to beat up on these crappy teams. I hope so,
0: man. I hope so. Because they'll get get floored by games, but
1: they're going to be fine. Palace Wolves are going to be fine, even though they're not good this season. Yeah, you just have clubs that are really bad this season. So like Wolves and other years might be in trouble, but this season they're fine. So
0: I'd say, say really it's a five.
1: Like, it's a five team, maybe six, but mostly yeah. five teams for three spots.
0: I was gonna say there are five teams that are horrible this season, and usually in the Premier League there are like two for sure that are horrible, but maybe three. You know, we've got five shit teams this season you yeah. know i i'm actually upset that brentford didn't get promoted instead of fulham but um or west brom or or whatever I should have been, it should
1: have been brentford over west brom because yeah. they they botched it on the last day of the season actually two last two days of the season uh well that's all we got kyle i mean that was a very comprehensive look at the table i mean i know our top four um at least my top four uh The Chelsea pick is looking a little precarious, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I like the Spurs still. I think they can still finish top four, but their inconsistencies drive me crazy. But at the top of the table, which is really what matters, Kyle, I think you and I are still riding the city train into the sunset.
0: What about the rest of the top four, though? Are you still going to stick with City, Pool, Spurs, Chelsea? Chelsea's out, Kyle. I can't decide. Uh,
1: United? I I think you have to put United in there. Um, mm-hmm. I can't decide on Spurs and Leicester. I think that I think that might be a final day of the season match. I, I could come down to that again for Leicester.
0: Do you think it's possible that Manchester United, top of the table right now, does not finish top four? I easily, think I mean,
1: easily. I mean, look at the table. I mean, they're. I mean, they go. They lose a couple games, and they might be out of the top All four. Day. So. All um day. I, I think the only guarantees are City and Liverpool. And, you know, it might be crazy to guarantee Liverpool, but, I mean, they're so good. On, like, they're such good players. I think it's top four is a guarantee. Yeah. Um, yeah, you
0: know, in thinking about my top four, I'd have to agree with you. I, it's hard for me to justify Chelsea, even if they sack Lampard and bring in some amazing manager. They've got all these new players are early in their evolution. And, you know, I could see a really experienced manager coming into Chelsea and still struggling. So. It's hard for me to justify Chelsea in the top four just because they're a pretty new team with a new makeup. But with that being said, they're only four points behind whoever's in fourth place. But uh, yeah, I'm sticking with City. First place, easy. I think Liverpool finish second. Um, I, feel, I still think Spurs will finish in the top four, but you know it's hard to overlook both Leicester and United. It's tricky, but I'd probably it's say... Tough. I'd probably say City, Liverpool, United, Spurs. But Leicester, man, they're, they're for third. real. Leicester are for real, though. They kind of scare they me. They are. Honestly. I, I think I mean, they, they've been a better team this season than Spurs. Easy. I mean, they
1: should have easily finished top four last season.
0: Oh, yeah. They deserved it.
1: So we'll see. I mean, they're, I mean, they're back up there again. This could have easily been a hangover season and finished in 10th and not trying. But here they're out. They're nope. out here again ageless and yeah it's gonna be fascinating um we're back we're ready to roll in the second half of the season kyle and i we're gonna get the social media back firing up we had a busy holiday season and two first weeks of january but we're ready to roll and we're excited to be here with you guys make sure you follow at over the top epl on instagram and twitter we'll be there every match day we're gonna we're gonna ramp up the instagram a little more with the sauce of the week and everything so stay tuned to that But for Kyle, I am Justin. We will see you after the next round of games, recapping all the latest action. But until then, see you later.